your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 391 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Piller up in Collingwood. And oh man, do we ever have a packed show as we return to five shows a week here. It's your team every day on the Locked On Podcast Network. And Logan Brown signs his qualifying offer. The Sens rookies were in action. A great come-from-behind win over the Montreal Canadiens. We get back to our organizational value rankings. Matthew Kachuk fanned the flames when it came to the Brady negotiations and a whole lot more. Let's get right into it. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Today is Monday, September 20th in Pilsy. It's an Ottawa Senators rookie game day. Yep, the second rookie game. And uh, hey, it's a great time for the rookie game to happen because finally we're back. Ross, it feels like we've been off for a long time. It's the first time in years that we haven't done a show in over five days. Took a little break. You're getting settled in to Winnipeg, Manitoba. So now we're back five shows a week for you guys and couldn't happen at a better time with the Sens rookie game happening tonight at four o'clock. We'll get into the game from Saturday. Pilsy and I both were locked into that. You can follow along with us at Sens Central on Twitter. We asked there, what's your boldest prediction when it comes to this upcoming Sens season? We're going to get into that on Thursday's show. On Wednesday, Tyler Boucher, 10th overall pick. This past draft for the Ottawa Senators, he joins us. And on Friday, oh, I'll just leave it at that. But I think we've got a good one for you there. We'll probably te- be able to tease it for you on Wednesday. But let's get in to what was a 4-3 Sens Rooks win over the Montreal Canadiens. We'll get in to our three stars momentarily. But Pilsy, your initial impressions from that game. I thought uh, it was played with a lot of pace, which is great. Uh, DJ Smith's going to like that for sure. And it seemed like pretty much every player out there was hungry. Like no one was kind of sitting back and waiting for the game to come to them. They were really trying to make an impact. And man, all I can say too is I am so proud to be an Ottawa Senators fan, not a Montreal Canadiens fan. I don't I, like. I don't know how else to say it, but the way they just... That team just held themselves a couple dirty, dirty checks. There's not many players um, I have any interest in on that Montreal team other than uh, Gooley and uh, Meshack, I think. <laughs> yeah, basically, that's about it. Their Tendi had some brutal setup for his uh, Montreal Canadiens gear, but uh, I thought all the Sens players looked well. There were a couple guys that really stood out, and we can get into that. Yeah, when it comes to those dirty hits, I was a little surprised. The one on Dao, nobody stood up for him. I don't on think the ice. I watched the replay, and I don't think a lot of guys saw it. Like I think it happened. Like the play had advanced the other way. Dao's didn't have the puck, so dirty, yeah, dirty. Never check. had the puck. No, exactly. So uh, the play advanced the other way, and people were just dialed in on the play that they didn't expect a dirty hit to happen like that. So I think maybe that was the reasoning there. But hopefully Dao's is okay because that was like. And uh, they they mentioned on the broadcast, that was like a cross-check to the mouth. Like, that's got to hurt. The other guy who took a dirty hit was uh, Max Gwinnett at the offensive blue line. But he also did his damage on the scoreboard. He had a great assist on the opening goal, Cole Reinhardt burying. By the way, the captains for this game, Shane Pinto is wearing the C, the first C on a black 2D Sens jersey. You can have your say whether or not you believe it should be handed out for rookies or saved for that. I like it. It's fun. Yeah. If people are upset about that, I don't know. Go back to bed. That's lame. And (laughs) and Shane Shane Pinto, he said it himself. Like, man, what a feeling. Like, sure. He didn't have the best of games. He was probably the best kind of rated player out there and he didn't have a good game, but Wearing the C and getting the win, that's a big deal for him. And I think he's going to be motivated to kind of wear it with a little more pride next time. If if he is, in fact, the captain again, maybe they switch it up. I don't know. 
No, JBD and Pinto will not play today. They're going to give uh, oh, two okay. of the other kids an, an opportunity here. The assistant captains, another Nodak sends with JBD, and then Cole Reinhardt, which made me think Love of it, it because he scored a goal. And from sixth-round pick to wearing an A when you had guys like Ridley Gregg was a first-rounder in that same draft. But Troy Mann obviously has a little more repertoire with Reinhardt having played the entire season last year under him. He looked great, man. That guy can really fly. We heard it from Crookshank and Sokolov. Both those guys on this show said Reinhardt can fly and Kaslich is a beast. And Kaslich <laughs> was an absolute beast. And he was our first stars. We've got the little graphic up if you're watching us on YouTube. Beauty. This is just a little sign of things to come. But we have Mark Kaslich as the first star from last night or Saturday's game, rather. The second star, Mad Sogard, who kept them in it early and often. Breakaway save two minutes into the game, a few nice glove saves. He played the first two periods. Oh, we'll get into uh, Money Marilyn and later on. And then the third star, Jacob Bernard Docker, just steady. And what I liked about his play, too, Pilsy, and you can build off this if you'd like, was his play at the offensive blue line. We know how steady he is defending the rush, great gap control, can clear the front of the net. But offensively, I love the little shimmies he was given. And we uh, we argued whether or not we wanted to see more of that from JBD this season or if, or if we wanted to just see him stay simple. But in a game against players who were all below his caliber, or many of them at least, 2018 draft pick, right? He should be dominating at this stage. But I thought that he was just fantastic and really helped his partner, Chandler Romeo, play a little bit bigger out there too not like he needs the help 66220 yeah exactly you know, romeo definitely doesn't need help uh, looking bigger out there but i want to talk about mark caslick because that goal that's an incredible goal because it's not very easy to be able to wrap the puck around a goalie like that when you're standing directly in front of him and especially that goalie got spread out wide like it's not like he got caught off guard he knew Kaslik was trying to do that and he still was able to swing it around him so that just shows you a guy with size like that his reach is incredible and he deserved first star for sure he got the game-winning goal and uh, we talked about Gannett I like Gannett's goal as well where he kind of just found the rebound and uh, put the garbage back in the garbage bin and got the goal there you love seeing that from an offensive defenseman who just has the awareness to be like all right there's a scramble happening in front of the net. I'll just cruise my way in here and just pot in the rebound. Yeah, he probably would have been our fourth star. He, he was held out. Just a few giveaways that you don't love to see at the same time. But he can fly out there. And for a seventh-round pick, that looked good on him. Mark Kaslich, along with the game-winning goal, that hit he laid in the second period, shoulder through the chest of the Habs player right behind the Montreal net. And physically, he should dominate as well. He's like 6'4", 230, and... He's the oldest player on this Sens Rooks team. So good on Castlech for making his presence known. Our boy Crooker, Angus Crookshank, was the first to drop his mitts. It wasn't really a full-on fight. It was just a scrum behind the net. But he was jamming away at every loose puck. He had a couple bursts of speed where you noticed him out there. Now on the other side of things, Igor Sokolov, it wasn't maybe his best effort. I'm excited to see him in this afternoon's game. By the way, 4 o'clock puck drop. There will be a stream. The game is in Brassard, Quebec at Montreal's uh, practice facility. So they're not at the big rink like they were in Ottawa. But what do you think Igor can do to make his presence known this upcoming game? Well, first off, I think uh, myself and uh, everybody else that was watching, the first thing you notice is Igor's skating has really improved. Like we've heard the talk that he's worked on it with the skating coach, and we've heard that that's been a main focus of his in the offseason, and the results are showing. So that's a big step for him. I think... You know, it's it's game one. He's gonna get his touches in. He's gonna he's gonna start feeling better. I think game two. I I think it's just a matter of time before he finds a groove. And uh, also shout out Igor. That video of him mic'd up uh, for that Unreal. practice, just amazing. Like, hey Penner, are you a dog guy? <laughs> like, what? Where is that coming from? What is it? What is that? But I love it. And it, Igor said it. We're all gonna be friends here. So that's the kind of uh, that's that's what I was talking about. He's gonna be a leader out there, dragging the guys in the battle, keeping everybody loose. So great, great job by Igor and I think we'll see a much better performance him for from him in game two of this rookie game goalie friendly show I mentioned Matt Sogar played the first two periods Levi Marilainen with that third period he let in a goal high slot kind of a, a shot through traffic I don't blame him but maybe you'd like to see him get it wasn't labeled top corner or anything like that but in my notes with about three minutes left I put maybe not enough sample size to judge him there was only, what, six shots, give or take, against him at that point. 
and then up a goal with less than a minute left. He made a miraculous save. It almost looked like remember in the 09 Cup final. I was Mark just going to say that. Flurry on Lindstrom, the- no, uh, no uh, small guy either. Yeah, so he was sneaking down the back door and puck squirted out there for him. And instead of just tee pushing, it was like a chest first, like Superman dive over cross. This guy's as athletic as they come. And if I wasn't already fired up to see him play for the Sens, um, sorry, play for Kingston this year, oh, man, am I ever now? Because not only that save, but he had another one where he got across in a hurry. And that was to preserve a win, too. So you get that extra added, you know, where it's like do or die. So I I love that for Marilinan. Oh, yeah. Money Marilinan is I like that better. Lucky Levi, that's from that old Jay-Z song. Um, lucky lefty of the commission bow down, but lucky Levi kind of implies too much luck. This guy's money, so yeah. money Marilyn, and it is exactly. And man, he he came up clutch there. Like, and that's what I love to see from Tendies. Like, man, you want to be positionally sound, you want to have your angles right, all that. But once in a while, you just gotta be desperate, and you yeah. just gotta do something weird, and you just. I don't care what it looks like. There, there's a saying like, if it looks stupid and it works, it ain't stupid. And hey, <laughs> if it looks weird, but he got the save, that's a great save. So good job by Marilyn. And yeah, I'd like to see him get a little more than one period. Do we know the goalies we, for this game? We do. Ah. He'll play the first period. Okay. And then Mando will play the second and third. Nice. Love that for Mando. That guy, that's a guy who needs a fair chance and needs a, a consistent spot to show what he can do. Man, with Marilyn, though, you mentioned the athleticism. Isn't that such a trait of Finnish born? Oh, yeah. Yep. Pecorine, Mika Kippersoff, Tuka Rask, Nicholas Bax. Remember the old Minnesota yep. Wild goalie? These guys are all diving all over the place. And man, they, they can make it look easy. I can't forget first overall pick Kerry Lettinen too who had a pretty good career these guys they're all so athletic so hopefully Marilyn can continue in that school and we'll see more because tomorrow we'll have a full breakdown I mentioned locked on senators back to five shows a week wherever you download your podcast you can also find us on YouTube we are inching ever so close to the a thousand subscriber mark that's going to be a big one for us so we hope that you can go there please subscribe and oh boy Pilsy. We got more to get into. I mentioned off the top, Logan Brown signing his qualifying offer. We'll tell you what that could mean going into training camp. That'll see a former familiar face with Tyler Ennis signing a professional tryout with the Sens. We'll get into all that, plus Matthew Kachuk fanning the flames when it comes to Brady Kachuk's negotiation. And we get back to our organizational value rankings that include two tendies on today's list. But, Pilsy? New sponsor alert. Why don't you take it from our new friends with Fantrax? Yeah, Ross, we love having new sponsors. And, hey, I'm a guy that I I love sports gambling. I love fantasy sports. So a new fantasy sports option is something I'm interested in. And I think you guys are going to love this as well. Hockey fans, I'm going to give you the inside track on fantasy hockey. It's it's about that time, guys. We're getting close to the regular season. You better have your fantasy leagues, matchups, mock drafts, everything. Get prepared. It's coming up. And the best way to do that is fan tracks. Fantrax's free NHL Fantasy Hockey League manager is the most customizable, easy to use, and feature-rich platform in the industry. Some bold takes there. Sign up for free today. And as a special offer for Locked On U-Team fans, you'll be entered to win an official signed NHL jersey from Nathan McKinnon. Not bad. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash Locked On and sign up the top dynasty fantasy hockey platform in the industry. Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, best ball leagues, whatever style you play, they got it at Fantrax.com. Go deep with the ultimate keeper and dynasty leagues. Create a simple redraft league, which, hey, I'm a simple guy. I love the redraft leagues. I love getting a fresh start every year. So if you like that, they got it. Or even a customizable best ball league with up to 2,000 teams. That's insane, 2,000 teams. Coming from another service, Fantrax can import any of your current leagues and customize if needed. So like I said, maybe some of you guys are ahead of the game. You already got leagues and uh, rules in place. They can just import all that into their system. So seamless, an amazing idea. Have you ever had a trade go wrong? 
make a mistake in dropping a player. If you've had leagues in on some of those other sites like Yahoo or ESPN, migrate to Fantrax for a better experience. Among the trusted names of fantasy sports since 2008, they've got hockey, football, baseball, basketball, college basketball, college football, golf, soccer, and NASCAR. So I don't care what sport you like. It's on Fantrax.com. Fantasy sports doesn't sleep and neither does Fantrax with seasons running 365 days a year. There's a reason why fantasy players who try Fantrax make it the permanent home for all their fantasy leagues. I don't see why you wouldn't at this point. So sign up for free today and be entered to win an official NHL jersey signed by Nathan McKinnon. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash locked on and sign up today. Guys, one more time. That's Fantrax.com slash locked on. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. Oh, we love our new friends of Fantrax. I would ask them if they could change up that McKinnon jersey for an Igor Sokolov jersey, <laughs> but that is just me. Well, where are you going to watch all this hockey this year? That's a fair question. And does this situation sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, we want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? No annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Contents vary by package. Go check it out, directtv.com. And make sure you're locked on, Senators, wherever you download your podcast, Spotify, Apple, Google, or the Odyssey app, or you can look at our faces on YouTube. If you'd like, we do appreciate that. Working on getting some more graphics up for you. We got some contests coming up and great interviews to boot. Pilsy, two days away from physicals at the Canadian Tire Center. And then the Ottawa Senators will be on the ice for training camp this Thursday. And then upcoming Sunday, it's the exhibition opener in Winnipeg. You and I will be at the Canadian Life Center right here. So as we mentioned, follow us on Twitter at Send Central for our view of that opening game. And then, of course, Pilsy's smiling because he knows we're going to be at the CTC on October 14th when the Sens open their season. I'm going to ask you point blank. Will Tyler Ennis be in the lineup, the forward, signed to a PTO to join the Sens at camp? Hey, there's a good chance. And I love this move by the Sens, uh, giving Tyler Ennis a PTO opportunity here. Because this is a guy that when he played in Ottawa, he was a stud. Like, I think maybe people underestimated because it was 2019-2020. Kind of a weird year. And- I was a little surprised that he was only traded for a fifth-round pick. The way he was playing, I think it was 12 goals and 19 assists, if I'm not mistaken. Like 14 goals and 19 woo! assists, Ross. Yeah. Pulled him short. Yeah, so I mean, hey, that happens to Tyler Ennis a lot. But <laughs> the thing is, he went to Edmonton, hometown kid. It's supposed to be this whole good story, but it just didn't work out there. I don't think they utilized him right. And like moving to a new team during all this COVID uh, mess, it's it's not ideal. So having him come back to Ottawa, he knows a lot of the players here. There hasn't been that much turnover. Like a lot of the core young guys are still here. He knows them. He fits well with the system, clearly. I think it'd be a great idea to get him along. And he's someone that can play bottom six, bottom line minutes for you. And you can be pretty comfortable about that. And you're looking at guys who maybe, like, I I thought maybe it'd be nice to get a guy like James Neal in as a PTO. Someone who can score some goals. Maybe try to replace what Dadanov should have brought. But the thing is, James Neal, that's a guy that doesn't play with a lot of pace either. A guy like Tyler Ennis, he can play with the pace. He still has that speed. So I think this is a good opportunity for him and the Ottawa Senators. I'm just pulling up, shout out Nat Statrick. Naturalstatrick.com. You can find pretty much anything there. Who do you think Tyler Ennis played the most minutes with during his season with the Ottawa Senators? Colin White. Wow. Yeah, you're right. 
Nice. <laughs> wow. Th- thanks for the the confidence there, Ross. Like, ah, you actually know something for once. No, that, that's awesome. He played 356 minutes with uh, Colin White at five on five. Then Craig Anderson, goalies a bit different. Then Shabbat and Hainsey on the back end. Anders Nielsen, Wait, they Marcus combine it with goalies? No, but they have goalies afterwards. So I'm just giving you oh, the okay. list right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that's funny here. Um, and then you look at later on, Chris Tierney's the other guy. So who out, out of those two centers, if he does make the team, would you rather see him start with? So I actually made a, a way too early projected lineup this morning just to kind of see where I would have him slot in. And I got him on the third line with Formanton, White, and Ennis. I think that's a great third line with that combines um, some good defensive play with some speed and some offensive capability. And stop me if you've heard this before, but we got to try to get Colin White going. And if he's a guy that plays well with Tyler Ennis, as uh, Ross has pulled up the natural stat trick board here, then that's something you got to try. And I think that's a good third line because I don't want Austin Watson up there on the third line. He's the perfect fourth line guy. And I see um, Nick Paul and Chris Tierney filling out that fourth line. So a third line of Alex Formanton, Colin White, and then Tyler Ennis, I think could be pretty effective. Man, all those numbers there. It can blow your brain off. Stats, stats, stats. Stats, no question. Just like last year when we said we were going to get into analytics. But Tyler Ennis, <laughs> there is a spot open on the right wing. And Parker Kelly's looking to get it. Igor Sokolov's looking to get it. And the timing's a little interesting. Hey, Igor, maybe not the best game against Montreal on Saturday. And then all of a sudden, now there's a new right winger coming into town. But Tyler Ennis, welcome back, at least briefly, to the organization. We'll see where that goes. But All right, here we go again. Logan Brown signing his qualifying offer. He's going to make league minimum at the NHL level and only 100,000 in the AHL. Now, what's interesting about that AHL salary is I don't think it really matters because if he's sent down, he's no longer waivers exempt. So if he doesn't make Ottawa out of training camp, any team can have their chance with Logan Brown. You think like a team like Arizona or, you know, he's been training there. He's buddies with Chikrins going way back to before the draft. It would just make sense that another organization for free would take a chance on Logan Brown. However, same question. Is Logan Brown in the Ottawa Senators opening night lineup? To me, it seems like it's him or Pinto. There's that open spot between Stutzla and Connor Brown. It's funny you say it's between him and Pinto because it's not really in my mind. Like in my mind, it's between him and Chris Tierney. Like that's where Logan Brown is at now. Like is anyone comfortable putting Logan Brown as our number two centerman last uh, game of the season Logan Brown wins that head-to-head right Tierney was the healthy scratch (laughs) Logan Brown got got his game there but let's be honest this kid has skill you and I saw it in Belleville over and over again it's just can he play with the pace that DJ Smith needs his players to play and can he stay healthy and one of our bold predictions somebody said uh, Logan Brown is going to get his big break this season, and I, I got nervous right away. I hope he, I hope he plays well. I really do because the skills there. Eleventh overall pick, you know, Pierre Dorian. I hope so because he traded up. That was his first draft pick as Sens GM. So there's a lot riding on Logan Brown to to really come into his own. But with the emergence of Josh Norris and and Shane Pinto in that same age category. It's just kind of getting getting time now for Logan Brown. He'll never get a better opportunity than this year. I mentioned between Stutzla and Brown. This is just my hypothesis, and maybe, yeah, I guess it is an educated guess, but I think Colin White's going to get the first chance to play between those two guys. So is Logan Brown cut out for a checking line role? And I think your answer is probably not. See, that's what, that's what I mean. You just kind of talked yourself out of that argument in a, <laughs> in a minute. It doesn't take long for you to be like, wait, Logan Brown's supposed to be a number two centerman, but can he actually do that? No, I don't think so. And again, we've talked about this so many times. You mentioned it quickly. Logan Brown is a good player. There's skill there. He has size. There's vision. But it's not working in Ottawa. And the guys who are judging him and the guys who are going to give him a chance to make this team already have a sour note on him, right? Like he's not off to a good start. He doesn't have a clean slate, in my opinion. I think DJ Smith expected a lot more of him. I think Troy Mann expected a lot more of him. I think Pierre Dorian has expected a lot more of him. And it hasn't happened, unfortunately. So I, I think if you if we see Logan Brown in the NHL with the Ottawa Senators, it's to show him off to the rest of the league to prime up for a trade. Who would you start him with at training camp? 
like I said, it's in my mind, it's a battle between him and Chris Tierney. And I mentioned my fourth line projection was Nick Paul, Tierney, and Austin Watson. That's where I'd have Logan Brown if he makes it because I don't have the confidence to put him up against matched up against other teams second lines like that's a big that's a big ask for a guy who has only played a handful of NHL games and struggles to stay healthy and on top of that has immense size he's a massive guy doesn't use it you can't do that as a number two centerman in the NHL because if you don't use your size to play physically then all it's doing is hurting you, slowing you down. Like most big guys, they're slower. So if you're not going to be physical, now you're just a slower guy out there. And I don't see it happening. I don't see him making this team out of camp. My first day of camp, and obviously this would all be subject to change, I'd put him beside Parker Kelly and Austin Watson, the two hardest workers on the team, and say, all right, you want to earn a spot? I want to see you match their intensity level. And then throughout camp, if you're doing well, then you can have a spot beside Stutzla and, and just see because their games would go so well together. Like Logan Brown can make plays in tight really well and create space for a guy like Stutzla. So I think that on paper it looks good, but let's see. So yeah, I'd, I'd at least have him with Parker Kelly on day one at camp, the hardest working shift disturber there is out there. And go check out Ian Mendes's latest article as well. A great piece on the history of Parker Kelly and overcoming the odds as a more broad term. So Say so, hey, training camps around the corner, as you can tell, like things are ramping up and we're going to be here every step of the way. But we also have to get through our organizational value rankings. I'm really excited about these four guys that we have coming up right here. But I got to power up first. So grab your Built Bars and let's get into it. Built Bars, the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. They come in 16 amazing flavors as well. You'll never get sick and tired of same old, same old. No, they keep it exciting at Built Bar with 16 flavors that eight have nuts. Eight are not free if you prefer that, but what they are are 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Built Bars are great for the health conscious guy or girl as well because you can lose or maintain your weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're great for post-workouts. They're even better if you're on the campsite like I know Pillsy was last weekend. They're low in calorie, low in sugar, yet they're high in protein and high in fiber. Great to keep you going throughout the day. Go check it out for yourself. Look, they even got the URL built.com. How sweet is that? Built.com. So go there, check out all the amazing flavors that they have. That's built.com. Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. All right, Pilsy, back to the organizational value rankings we go, and we're going to kick it off at number 21. Here, I'm going to quickly put up the graphic. I know you don't like this one because it's going to go right through the middle of the screen, but this is the most recent part of the list. Yeah, we got to go. We both went the wrong way. That's awesome. So the, the reason why I brought this up is the last two guys we did were Lassie Thompson and Tyler Clevin, the K-Train himself. By the way, Tyler Boucher shouted out the K-Train in our interview with him. Oh, so yeah. stay tuned for that on Wednesday. But the reason I brought that up, two defensemen, and we're going right back to the D-men to start today. As I pull up our graphic, we've got at number 21 here, Victor Mete. Your thoughts after he re-signed. We didn't think he was going to get over a million because he was picked up on waivers. Ultimately signed for 1.2 on a one-year deal. Is he a guy who you expect to play every night? Or could he be a guy in and out of the lineup? I got him penciled in every night as that uh, left shot bottom pair guy. And I think, you know, he's 23 years old. He's a smaller player. We know how DJ Smith feels about him. But we saw a lot of improvement near the end of the season. And it was in a funny place. It was w- with him playing with Josh Brown. They ended up being a really good pair together. Yin and a, yang. Yeah, exactly. You got a small, speedy guy with a big, tough guy. And it ended up working out. And they both complemented each other's games and elevated each other's games and I think really Victor Mete's got the inside track there because they clearly went out and got two veteran uh more physical style players that can play the right side so that kind of squeezed Josh Brown out there and also Victor Mete is only 23 years old so he's very young there's lots of time for improvement he saw some time on the power play when Thomas Shabbat was injured at the end of the season I think there's a lot to grow on here 
Now, he only had one goal and one assist in his time with Ottawa, so there's there's definitely some improvement to be had there. But I really liked what I saw from Mete and the fact that the Sens got him for free. Merci beaucoup, Great. Montreal. Merci. Uh, that was just great. So I'll definitely take that. And I think Victor Mete, he's going to have a good season here. Good contract too. I like it. 1.2 mil one year. Yeah. And one plus one equals two. That was his goals and assists last year. But he brought a lot of, of speed to the lineup as well. And we saw how much better were the Sens at getting the puck out of their end and into the offensive zone. The zone exits, zone entries got so much better once Braden Cobra and Erica Branson were out. And guys like Mete Brandstrom were in on a consistent night in and night out basis. And how about this, Pilsy? You mentioned 23 years old. He turned 23 in June. So he'll be 23 this entire season. His next game will be his 200th NHL game. That in itself is super impressive. When you think that last year was only a 56-game season overall, and he only played 28 of them. The Habs healthy scratched him a bunch at the start of the year. So this is a guy who has the experience that not many guys his age do. And I think that's going to do him really well. And also the fact that the organization loves Josh Brown. Like You can like him, or lo- like him love him, or hate him, but DJ Smith loves what Josh Brown brings. So if he's going to play, it's important to have a guy who plays well with him on the other side. And Victor Mette's shown that. So I'm excited to see, man. Number 98, highest number ever worn in team history. And this guy is, uh, you know, he's, he's playing bigger than his size out there too. I was actually impressed with his battle level in the corners in the defensive end. We know that Josh Brown will more be the guy who's in front of the net clearing traffic, but for a guy who's kind of running around behind the net, making sure guys aren't having easy passing lanes, I really liked what Victor Mete brought. So I'm, I'm really excited to see more of him in a Sens jersey. He only got 14 games last year after the trade deadline, and the team was uh, very good in those games. I, th- I want to say that they were 11-3, and three, give or take. I think I missed an OT loss. I think it was 10-3-1. and one. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was. And uh, I'm hoping for more of the same, man, with Victor Mete in the lineup. So he comes in at number 21 on our rankings. Let's go to number 20, who's uh, out of sight, out of mind. But that doesn't really affect his his stock for us because, man, this kid can play. We've seen it before, and I think we'll see it again because they own his rights until he comes back. Coming in at number 20, it's Vitaly Abramov. He's in the KHL on a two-year contract, but what gives you the belief that if and when he comes back, he'll be ready to step right into an NHL role? Well, I mean, you guys know me. Usually I don't dive too much into the Twitter drama, but his tweet did say, see you soon. So I don't. if you want to read into that, uh, what you can, it sounds like... And- I think Vitaly Abramov, he he knows his skill. He just knows he was put in a place where there were a lot of other prospects and he wasn't able to find a spot for himself on the NHL roster. So I think he's taking a break. He's going to Russia. He's going to elevate his stock. He's going to come back and there maybe there's going to be a spot for him. Maybe he can prove to the Senators, look, I did well in two pro seasons over in the KHL. Give me a legitimate shot here because go and look at Italia Bram, uh, Vitaly Abramov's um, elite prospect page. He's only had five total NHL games. Two games at a time, two games at a time, then one game. Like, that's not enough to get a guy a real chance to try to mesh with some teammates and really get some offense going, which is what a, a Vitaly Abramov is all about. Now, he's in Russia right now. They've only played, or he's only played seven games. I'm not sure how many games his team has played. And he started off hot with a goal and assist in, in his first three games, but he's been pointless his last four games. So he has two points in seven games. I think he's going to really turn things up here. And I think we could definitely see a Vitalia Bramov that becomes, I don't want to say an elite score. That's a little, uh, that's a little too much, but a very good score in the KHL. Yeah, 12 pimps too. Eh? He's mixing it up back, <laughs> yeah. back on his home soil. But look at his at his play with the Belleville Senators. Like 19 and 23 this past year. And the year before, 41 points in 51 games. So I just see him as such a dynamic offensive player. He's 5'9", and that's something he's going to have to overcome. But a guy we spoke about earlier has carved out a, what, 400-game career, Tyler Ennis, by being a smaller guy, offensively skilled. So that that's kind of a player comparable that I would have for, for Vitaly Abramov. He should be watching Tyler Ennis and the way he plays. And I think that he's going to come back. I see him as maybe a 30, 35-point guy in the NHL as he builds muscle. And like Joey Dax told us, he's like, that guy has some of the filthiest hands he's ever seen in the shootout. So when a goalie who, who has NHL or who's seen him in practice at day in and day out, when he's saying those sort of things about Abramov, like 
you have to listen to them. So that's why he comes in at number 20 on our list. Okay, speaking of goalies, we've got two more coming up. And we do want to tease. At the end of today's show, we will discuss briefly, because I don't want to read too much into it, but Matthew Kachuk's comments about Brady and the contract negotiations and all that. But we'll save that for the end because we're on a roll here. Number 19, coming in on our list, it's Mads Sogard, the great Dane. He's up big from last year. Once we roll through all these four, actually, I'll just tell you right now, he's up 17 spots from where we had him last year. Pilsy, simple question, why? Well, I mean, anytime you start your North American pro career off with a 7-0 and record, that's pretty good. You know us stats guys here, 7-0 and is just great. And I mean, it's not only the numbers, it's the way he holds himself. Like a guy of his size to be able to move around. Now there's a couple goals you can point out that were, weren't great plays and maybe you gotta you want that one back. But overall, for someone to come over to a different continent, start their pro uh, league experience in a weird season, in a weird time, and have these expectations on him, he did very well. And he's always done well with Team Denmark uh, when he's representing them internationally. And he's someone that we talked to him on this show he's got some confidence about him and he should he's a good goalie he's got good size he's in a good place to succeed down in Belleville so I think he's really shown Troy Mann that he's someone that can be trusted night in and night out to protect and uh, to be a great guy in that crease and to give his team a chance to win every night and he deserves to be this high on our list I I've said it before Matt Sogard is probably the goalie that I have the most kind of overall expectations for like I think he could be the best goalie in the center's organization right now yeah that doesn't surprise me at all I'm just pulling up this tweet from uh, Sean Simpson we got to give TSN Simmer some credit on this one but cheers SS he he, this kid is is enormous and not only is he big in the crease but the way he moves around and how about his confidence level too as i'm just about to pull up right here um simmer was at the game look at the size on him in the crease the red stripe on his jersey's at the crossbar oh my god yeah so uh at tsn (laughs) at tsn simmer you can go check out uh that photo as well but he's six foot eight He's got the pedigree, second-round pick. But how about the quotes that he had this offseason, both on our show but in the media saying, I expect to play NHL games this year. I'm going to force their hand to do just that. He made an Ottawa Senators bucket, not a Belleville Senators bucket. Just keep yeah. that in mind. You love that, and he finally ditched the all-white. So I, I, I want to say we played a, a, just a little role in, in him doing that. Joey Dax bugging him too probably helped. Yeah, but hey, he's got three years left on his contract, right? So he didn't burn a year at all last. So hey, that by the end of this contract, here's a hot take. By the end of this contract, the final year of it, he'll have the most games played of any goalie on the Sens. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I mean, Matt Murray's got three years left on his contract too, so it would be Murray's final year. And the guy we're going to discuss right after you can make an argument. It's between these two. And we fought each other on this one because for me, it's the Great Dane. But should we just get right into the next guy? Because he's a little more polarizing, at least on this show, because we saw him a lot in Belleville. And you can argue that clouded our judgment a little bit. Or it just gave us a perception of him that wasn't true at the NHL level. And coming up at number 18, hell, he's still up 13 spots from where we had him last year. It's Philly franchise. Philip Gustafson, he just signed a two-year contract, and the second year of that contract is one way. So we know Anton Forsberg is penciled in right now as the backup to Matt Murray, but Philip Gustafson and a lot of the bold takes we had yesterday were saying that Gustafson would have the most wins of any goalie for Ottawa this year. Wasn't quite the case last year, but he was 5-1-2 and two in eight starts. He played nine games, but eight starts. And hey, if he can keep that momentum going into next season i don't disagree with that but i i need to see it i need to see it with him i need a bigger sample size yeah and that's the thing i think uh unless there's an injury i don't see that happening i think uh he's probably going to get the least amount of games between the three of them or if they end up trading forsberg we'll see how the season plays out but for philip gustison and I'm forgetting the author, but there's a great article in EP Rinkside. If you guys aren't subscribed already, definitely check that out. But it talks about how Gustafson said he was really losing confidence. And Ross, I mean, I don't have to tell you. you you've seen it up front. There was times where it looked like Gustafson had just kind of given up on himself. 
you know in the first five minutes of the game whether he's going to be great, good, or awful. Yeah, and that's the thing. And he he recognized that. And he said, I was I was so down on myself. I, my confidence was just shot. And then he kind of took a different approach to it. Like, I think a lot of people, and I mean, Ross, we're, we're in our late 20s here, so we can remember being in your early 20s. There's, there's a lot of pressure going on, and you think you have to be the best right away, and you have to know what you're doing, and you have to be uh, meeting everyone's expectations. But it doesn't always work like that. Everybody has their own path. Everybody blooms at a different point in their life. And I think Philip Gustafson just kind of let all that go. Like, I don't need to be the number one goalie right now. Yes, the Sens brought me in and I was a big part of that uh, first trade starting the rebuild and there's all these expectations and I'm not performing and Marcus Hogberg is doing better than me and I'm not getting the opportunities. That's fine. You just got to work on yourself. You just got to calm things down and do things your way. And I think he finally settled into that and we saw the results. We saw the results of what he could do in the NHL when he's just like, you know what? I'm in the NHL. I'm going to give it the best shot I have. If it works, awesome. If it doesn't work, I'll go back to the drawing board and, and start up next season. And I think that kind of free mentality allowed him to just settle in and play the style of goalie he knows he can. And yeah, I would like to see a bigger sample size from him in the NHL. And now that the Sens have a little bit better of a roster put together here i think he could have success in a longer sample size one of the most dry senses of humor going like i don't even know if it's a sense of humor but his post-game pressers are unbelievable like it seems so carefree but we know all that's good cares yeah it is it is because i think he cared too much when he was in belleville remember this guy was touted as remember they trotted him around the ctc after they traded for him and then he got like one game in Belleville. He was the first piece of the rebuild. He did the intermission with Duffy. Like that's a lot of pressure on a kid who had never even been to North America outside of a development camp and maybe the draft. Second rounder, just like Mad Sogard. And hey, I, I just need to see more. Like that. that's my only kind of comeback because in Belleville, like there were nights where he was absolutely atrocious. But then at the NHL level, I don't think he had a bad start. He was great every single night. Second highest save percentage in the NHL last year. But you have to adjust the filter to a minimum of nine games played, right? The other guys were up there. I think it was Nadalkovic, and then he was right toe-to-toe with Jeremy Swayman of Boston. So, hey, let's let's see. I want I hope he gets more starts at the NHL level than Anton Forsberg this year. We, we see that Gus is he's slated to be the starter in Belleville. And I think that having good play down there will only help his confidence as well because he'll, he'll say, okay, this is a level where maybe I wasn't my best. And he went over the SHL and he was great over there. And then at, during the COVID pause, he played in the Allspenskin and he was great over there too. So it's that pesky AHL where maybe the puck's bouncing around a little bit more and there's more kind of random puck luck than you'd see where everything's so crisp at the NHL level, which I think helps Gustafson's game. So let's see what the future holds, but I do hope that he does play more games this year than Anton Forsberg. For example, if Matt Murray gets hurt, go right to Gus. We don't need to see Anton Forsberg. Forsberg should just be a spot starter when needed. And that's not no offense to him, but they just have so much stock in Gustafson that let's see what he's got. And hopefully another thing we're going to see here coming up, is Brady Kachuk at training camp. What what was your take? Like I'll get into to the comments. I'll pull them up while you give your initial take. But Matthew Kachuk, just uh, an overview. He was on the 31 Thoughts podcast and basically said the Kachuks play hardball. We all hold out. We're cutthroat and Brady is on his way to holding out. There's uh they're not close on a deal. What was your thoughts on all that? Well, first off, I want to start with saying it, it seems like Sens fans and everyone involved in this situation has been Every single time there's an update, it's the gospel. Like, Elliot Friedman says, oh, they're working on this. Oh, my God, they're working on this. They're going to get it done. Gordon Miller says, oh, they're working on this. Oh, they're going to get it done. I Until we see some actual results and some actual news, I don't care what anyone says. Obviously, they're working on it. Obviously, they're talking about it. Obviously, people are going to say it's going positively. This finally is some actual, something I can actually grab onto and say, this has some meaning, this bears some weight. Because Matthew Kachuk is a first-hand source who has said he's involved. Bias in, source, though. He's he's there. Is I don't Those reporters aren't in the room talking about the contract negotiations. Matthew Kachuk is. So this is finally a source that I'm actually going to take with some serious uh, notes here. And I, I believe him. If they were close... 
this would probably get done. If they were close, I bet Ottawa would would budge a certain way and bend to make it work for work for Kachuk because the Ottawa Sounders, holy crap, Ross, for probably the first time in our podcast careers, are on an all time high run of good PR. Like they haven't had a bad PR day in a long time. Like maybe not. There's some things they could do better, but there hasn't been an atrocious PR day in a while. They've had some good ones, and if if they can bring in Brady in time, um, you know, it, as soon as possible, that's going to be a big win for them. But I don't think they're close. I, I like I said, I pro- I take what Matthew Kachuk says seriously because if they were close, I think one side would budge one way or another. But that hasn't happened, and. If they're talking about getting down to a bridge deal, I'm a little nervous because it really sounds like Matthew Kachuk said that there's not going to be a budge on the bridge deal. like Because the way Matthew Kachuk did it is so that his next... Um, his next contract this has to start season. at a high level, right? Like yeah, $9 he million. made sure he made sure he got that because he wanted that nine million to be a base level. That's what Brady Kachuk's doing, especially when you look at the fact that there's not a goddamn chance the Sens give him a nickel of signing bonuses. <laughs> Matthew Kachuk got millions in signing bonuses, yeah. and and that's still how it played out. And if you uh, read the Sportsnet article, they talked about how uh, Matthew Kachuk, I think, signed on the 25th of September, and Keith Kachuk signed on the 26th. So pencil those days in on your calendars for Kachuk signing days. Those are the days we're going to be looking for uh, Brady Kachuk to sign here, but until we hear some more results and until we hear anything, this is the best thing we have to go on. And it's a little concerning. Here's the exact quote from Matthew. Again, 31 thoughts podcast with sports. 32 thoughts. Oh, there you go. Forgot. (laughs) Shout out to Kraken. Um, He goes, it's a family business. Nobody wants to deal with the Kachucks in this, but we do it by committee. He might be pulling a classic Kachuk right now. Dad held out. Matthew held out, says Matthew. Yeah, and Brady lo- looks like he's on his way right now. So hopefully it can get figured out. But just a lot of fake stuff out there regarding this. They're not too close. So hopefully it gets figured out. But who knows? My dad and I are definitely involved. Brady needs us to help him out with that stuff. He wasn't as cutthroat as we were during this. But it's starting to become more of a Kachuk the later this goes. Now, I do want to also add that this part... I, I do think Sense fans should be excited about because, of course, the money has to figure itself out. But Matthew also said he's a great player, deserves everything he, sh- he get, should get. He's the most important part of their team, the captain. Obviously, all the stuff all of us know about him, and he loves it there. He absolutely loves it there. So we'll see what happens. But now being in Calgary, I won't be as much involved. So I'm taking two things out of that. One, he loves Ottawa. Great. Good. Pen to paper, let's go. Second part, by mentioning the captain, we kind of knew this already, but there's no question that the Sens are leveraging the captaincy into a long-term contract. Do you think that's the right way to go about this? Is it the right way? No, probably not. I mean, you never want to kind of, what's what's the word here? Uh, give an ultimatum to choose a leader, right? Like you don't want to be given a leadership role as a result of you picking the right side of an ultimatum, right? Like that's, that's not the right approach, Hmm. but at the same time, man, if you're Eugene Melnick, I don't fully blame him for doing that. Like, what's the point of having another Jason Spezza one-year captain and then he mm-hmm. demands a trade and you got a whole mess on your hand? Or, uh, I mean, Eric Carlson was a captain for years, so that's a little different situation, but you're not able to get that proper contract figured out. So I think if the Sens have to use some leverage that they have. And the, another thing I took from what Matthew said is, I bet there was a point where Brady was just sick of all the negotiations and seeing guys like uh, Batherson, seeing all these guys kind of resign and be like, you know what, let's just take the deal they have. And then Matthew and his dad are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't do that, Brady. Like, you got you, you to gotta stand up for yourself. And that's fair. Like, there's different sides to this argument. But I, I think it's starting to look like we're not going to see the uh, taking less only works if everybody does it argument from Brady Kachuk I don't think that's going to be the way this works out and you know what it's it's not what fans want to see but as as a person like Brady Kachuk's been working towards this contract his entire life he should fight for what he deserves and 
look, people can say, oh man, you're making millions of dollars playing hockey. It's not about that. It's the principle. Like if you're doing well in your job and you feel you deserve a raise and you can see other people performing at your level, being paid a certain amount and you expect to be at that standard, you have all the rights in the world to go after that and to hold out until you're given that because that's that's just the way the business, the job industry works. So I don't blame Brady for what's going on here, but as we get closer and closer to that home opener, like it's it's starting to become concerning. Like there's there's no doubt about that, and uh, I don't I don't know what is going on here, but Matthew Chuck's words have uh, kind of made me nervous. <laughs> A little bit. Well, here let's put it this way: Where do you think he should slide in in terms of cap hit? I'm going to go through the highest paid wingers in the NHL in terms of cap hit, and I want you to stop me when you think Brady should make as much or more than him. But the only thing here is we have to uh, determine the length of the contract because that changes the dollar amount fully. I can try to do that off the top of my head. There might be a guy who I just have the cap hits. We don't have to do it exactly, but it's something to keep in mind, right? Like a three-year deal AAV is going to be different than an eight-year deal. Yeah, that's all. Okay, well, Ottawa clearly wants to go eight years, and I think a lot of these guys with the highest ones sign long-term contracts. So Artemi Panarin is the highest-paid winger. He signed a seven-year contract, AAV $11.6 million. Mitch Marner, $10.9 million on a five-year deal. We know what we think about Yuck. that contract. Uh, Patrick Kane, $10.5 million. He signed that after winning three. Yes, three Stanley Cups. <laughs> then you have to go down. Jamie Benn is making nine point five. That was on a seven-year contract. Nikita Kucherov, nine point five. That was on an eight-year contract. Mark Stone, nine point five. Alex Ovechkin, nine point five. Miko Rantanen. Jeff Skinner, $9 million. (laughs) Sheesh. Um, Then you're looking at Jacob Jakob Voracek at $8.2 million and Blake Wheeler at $8.25. And then Svechnikov at $7.75 and Patrick Laine at $7.5. Like those are the two where I don't think I would, like you can't go any lower than that. Right. No, 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 absolutely not. Yeah. No, no matter what, like no matter what uh, length of contract, you cannot go lower than 7 million. Yeah. yeah but no he's way. not on the same stratosphere as Miko Rantanen. No. And Miko no. Rantanen's at 9.25. Yeah. So it's got to be between, it's got to be under 9 million. That's for sure. And it's got to yeah. be over seven. And now I think that where you can over play seven, out, five. Yeah. I would, I would say over seven, five, but over seven, at least like oh, that's, yeah. yeah even even a bridge there. is going to be 7 million. And, like, yep. here's Matthew Kachuk. So we'll kind of close it out with Matthew's contract. He signed a three-year contract at $7 million per, but he had $3.5 million in signing bonus the first year and $4.5 million in signing bonus the second year. And then, as you already alluded to, the last year of the contract, $9 million. Therefore, the qualifying offer after this upcoming season has to be 10% more than his final year's salary of $9 million dollars so hopefully it doesn't come to that with brady and i think it's gonna have to like that's the leverage brady has right he's like all right you guys want to play stiff you don't want to give me a signing bonus my last year of my deal it you guys love back-ended contracts well hook me up with one of those i want a back-ended contract and my back end better be exactly exactly at the number i want not a dollar less of the number i want Oh, man, we're in for a very interesting season for the Ottawa Senators. And we'll be here every step of the way. The Locked On Senators podcast is back to five shows a week. We've got one elite interview coming up this week, maybe two. We're not going to tease it until we're recording, and that's hopefully going to be tomorrow afternoon. But we're hoping to air it on Friday. You can follow along on Twitter at Send Central. Reminder. Today, Monday, September 20th, 4.05 p.m., the Sens rookies conclude development rookie camp, and that just means we're a step closer to NHL camp getting underway on Wednesday. We've got – so we're going to do Tyler Boucher on Wednesday. Tomorrow, we're going to recap yesterday's rookie camp. We're going to hit you with some bold takes going into the upcoming season. On Thursday, we're going to have our way-too-early depth chart – And then hopefully Friday, an interview to come, and we'll leave it at that for today. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.